Do you wonder what it takes to design for children's best interests? What design with kids in mind even means? Want to make sure that you're doing the best you can to serve children with your work? Today, our very first episode, we're introducing Designing for Children's Rights Association that is behind this podcast, our mission statement, as well as taking an in-depth look at why it is important to have children as stakeholders and what impact it creates. I'm Paulina Lulu, and our, our guests today are uh, Jonah Totterman and Peter Carlson, who are the core heroes that have been at the heart of the 4CR community from the beginning. Ready? Let's dive into today's topic together. Welcome to Designing for Children's Best, a podcast about how to turn our best intentions into outstanding child experiences. Here, the 4CR members and guests, top experts from the industry, academia, and social sector, discuss principles and best practices that will help us all design better for children. Hello, Petra and Yona. I'm so glad to have you here. It's an exciting beginning, and you are just the right people to be the first guest. Thank you for accepting this invitation. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad that we, we finally have a podcast. Yeah, Paulina, thank you so much for the invitation as well. It's honorable to be branded as a hero, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, tell us a few words about yourself, your work and what brought you to D4CR in the first place. And maybe you could also uh, briefly introduce D4CR and um, just to set up the ground for our conversation. Jonna, maybe you do D4CR and start yourself because I think you are you're the main hero, at least in my book. So start. <laughs> I don't know if I'm main hero, but I'm I'm super, super happy about this community and this association. Um I think most of all what I am, I'm idealist and, and humanist and I just try to like drive for positive change and and, uh, and do it together with other people. Mm-hmm. So whatever is my title or work that's that's the, like the main thing that I'm trying to do always um, and I work as a strategic design director at one of the IT companies in in Finland mm-hmm. and what I maybe about myself what I love the most is to spend time with my with my family and have a good time good food and and um, reading and, and writing and drawing and things like that mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I think it was a lovely description. You know, I I don't brand myself as a as idealist and humanist, but I think that's I I think I, that resonates really deep within me as well. I try to do the best in the in the like context I'm working in, and right now it's two things at work. It's in the games industry and in the kids games industry. So, for in the kids space, I work at Tokaboka. So maker as a lead designer for an app called Tokyo Life World and I've been there for soon eight years so it's a bit I'm a sort of a veteran in that little mm. space but so for in that in the kids context there it's about like taking the kids perspective first and doing great amazing quality content for kids 
which we have great pride in at Tokaboka. But then it's also um, in the games industry in general. Like I'm also I'm also active in the local union and things like that. So it's also thinking about employees. But then at the studio, I also work with different inclusion initiatives as well as Kids First initiatives. So trying to do a lot at the company, but then also public speaking and doing stuff like that. Personally, also love to spend time with my family, but I'm a, I'm a foodie. I love to dance and I love play in any aspect of it. So yeah, that's me. Amazing. One of the things that I like about our industry is that there are such, such wonderful people and <laughs> that uh, really have amazing values and it's just great to be part of, uh, of kids' community and D4CR and everyone who prioritize impact and kids and well-being. I, I just want to tag on to that as well. I, so... Be- Many people, like at my company in the Stockholm game bubble where we are, they have a network because they studied games or they worked at three different companies before or something, and I didn't have that. And the kids' space is kind of small, so unless you attend a bunch of conferences, then you don't have any real network. And for me, I, I don't remember why, but I was invited to a panel at us 2 in Malmö many years ago now. and. And it was a super nice thing to attend, like talking about design and kids' design. But then that ended up with me meeting some people at that panel from Malmö University and Lego. And they talked about there's this new thing happening in Finland in January. It's like, and it's like, okay, what is that? <laughs> and then I got like managed to get the first Talcot, which is sort of the founding of D4CR. So for me, um, as not having a network, that my first sort of proper good event for getting introduced to other people working with similar things. That also led to me going to Talcott and I think, I don't know if we will talk about it more this time, but I just want to say like how valuable this community has been because it's it's so much about the work we do and the guide and things we will talk about today, but mm-hmm. it's also so much about getting in contact with these amazing people all over the world that just have the same sort of ethos you have different experiences and backgrounds and stuff why you want to work with kids to make the world better um but every even if you have different approaches everyone shares that sort of basic idea and that is you can bring anyone together in a room with just five people who just have that idea even if they work with completely different things Mm -hmm. and that has been one of the most beautiful things and the most rewarding just being like one of the best reasons to stay working with this because you bump into people like you, Paulina, who I haven't mm-hmm. met before, but I'm sure you think the same way about these things that I do. And that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like you mentioned them and, and like how DFOSIA started, I, I think that was the amazing thing that we didn't know that what we will get when we were designing the first event in 2017 and, and the first event was in 2018 in, in Helsinki, Finland in mm-hmm. January and it was snowy and there were like strangers from all over the world. Uh, uh, so we were international from the beginning. We were planning first to have this small event for like maybe some European, mostly Finnish people are joining and, and then suddenly there was this clearly um, need for many people who actually felt that something needs to be done <laughs> about designing for children and and uh, we were first focusing on the digital design and and a lot of 
like the toy and, and game design aspect and social media aspect in the beginning. But then in 2019, we also like started to talk about more in the business design and, and children as stakeholders and decision making in businesses. But but ov- overall, the, all the time, no matter who are the people or what's the background, just like Peter said, people are talking about the impact and they are interested in the in the like long-term impact and the well-being and the positive aspect they can create in the world in their context in their work and and even though we try to be and and we are like a neutral space in a sense for and trying to build bridges between NGOs and academia and businesses and and designers and companies still still we are like like just what Peter said I think you you said it really well that that there's the same kind of basic value together we are stronger and this is the the idea behind d4cr and 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 it's all i believe that people have good intentions in the first place and if they can do good with their work and use each other you know as to be to be each other's advisors how to do it better and how how can they apply good practices i think everyone would do this yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm also just like what happens also is like almost all the people I've ever met in this context have been like people who are genuinely nice and just good exactly. people. So it's like if people like care about the best interest of kids as a common denominator, they seem yeah. to be really nice humans and like interesting humans as well. And that's just like I don't know. That's <laughs> just something something I found. So if you find that in a person, it's like you you might get a new friend just because of that. <laughs> yeah, really really good good way to put it. Then then what this what this D4CR designing for children's rights actually like is and and what we have is mm-hmm. that um, we have the community global community of several hundred people um, and then we also have like the design guide and the website and the local chapters. Mm-hmm. So, so from the beginning, we have like we have been saying that we want to be non-profit and we ha- want to be open and and open source. So, driving the change and and providing tools and and raising awareness so that it's like uh, we were clearly saying from the beginning that we want to empower others and help others together, like as a community, and and not owning something or creating it as a profitable business because that that's not how you make the, the change. I love that you mentioned the guide and I'd like to read the uh, statement from the website um, because as I was preparing for this episode I revisited it and uh, it just felt right to start by reading it so um, here is the statement children are a significant part of all humans the World Bank estimates that over 25% of the global population are children children use a wide range of the existing services and products and they face the indirect effects of others using services and products which are not designed considering the needs of all rights of the child, nor include children as stakeholders by default. Excluding children from our thinking is a systemic bias. Our perspective is often too narrow and the time scale too short. When we design for children, we design for the future. Childhood experiences have an impact on children which translates into long-term effects on the population and society and the future. To ensure the well-being of children, it is especially important to ensure the best interest of the child in design and business decisions. 
in this guide, we have put into words what is in the best interest of the child in business and design and represent our responsibility to respect the children's needs and perspectives. And then it, it ends with a quote from the UN general comment number, number 25, the best interest of the child is a dynamic concept that requires an assessment appropriate to the specific context. So it's a long statement, but I think that it beautifully frames everything we just spoke and everything that we'll speak about in the podcast. And there's so many essential fundamental ideas within those lines. And uh, I'd like to hear uh, what you guys think um, around it and what role does D4CR and the guide serve in this landscape and how can we help others to be better at their journeys? Well, I, I think... Um, um... Why, why we wrote this statement and, and why we, throughout this journey in this um, community, we have been realizing more and more how, how these sort of, how our biases and fallacies drive the business, but also the education, for example, design education, that uh, who are we designing for? Who is the actual user or customer or target group. I think that um, one of the issues that we have been learning throughout these years in the communities is how excluded and marginalized group children have been sort of um, perceived as, even though 25% of the world population is children and, and like one, one third of the internet users are children. Still, somehow, we have this bias, both in business and, and in education, that designing for children is somehow like a minor area or, or not that um, good business, but it's actually very important if we consider about the long-term effects, for example, that, that children born this year are going to be the world leaders, you know, in, in, in 40 years or so, and, and what kind of... Um, culture and what kind of experiences we are creating today is going to affect the future mm -hmm. then then I, I think this is just a topic that we cannot ignore and even in the short term uh, taking children into consideration and talk about is a good example of a company that stands for seeing children and making games for children and still being successful. <laughs> so it can translate even in the short term into a business success. Absolutely. And I think one, one good example is like we are talking a lot of about the game industry and, and I think it's, it's marvelous. But if it compare the market globally, it's estimated that it's one, 199 billion. But then family services, it is 874 billion dollars so so like our baby products as well it's bigger than the game market globally so i, I think um it's it's amazing how how like um these um um like the bias of what is children's what are children's it's like minor and small and it's it's not necessary it's yeah. an excellent point <laughs> it just needs to be repeated over and over until everyone understands it <laughs> Yeah, and I think as well, something I picked up, I think it was the first Talcott, I think it was so amazing, is like this idea that um, all the products that we are making, like 
well, it's one thing. Think about Takabocka. Okay, so we make apps for like kids six to twelve years old, and then then we can have that focus. And it's obviously a product for the kids, and it's obvious that we wanna make it high quality, listen to the kids, etc. But there are so many other projects and products that have users that are kids without it being the intention that that they they will use the products but they're not looking at kids as the users um and with that was something really interesting is sort of like if you follow these steps for like security or accessibility etc yes it will also make a great product for the kids but by fulfilling these other things you will make a much more accessible, great, safer app for the parents or adults, etc. as well. So, and again, now like sliding into digital talk, it doesn't need to be digital products, but but that was just such an interesting thing to reflect on how, um, yeah, how, how so many things around us are designed without the kids in mind. Um, and I'm not saying like, your three-year-old should be on TikTok, but it's like it's it's it, you can you can look at with it with that lens on so many things. But but I think that's that's exactly like on the point that many of the things we design are not designed with children in mind. For example, I I have been interested in this um, thought about what kind of physical and emotional sort of architecture we are building with with digital products. For example, with a specific social media product, if you are using it alone, what, mm-hmm. or if you are using it with group of people, how does it affect the dynamic of the group? And mm-hmm. but we are often, when we like um, design and business, are often looking at individuals. They are looking at the users and customers, but not the social relations, not the groups that much, not the family, and not the children as as. Uh, like a stakeholder, for, for example, how different is the queuing experience with the hungry three-year-old compared to an adult who is alone? And how can you adapt the ex- designing the experience based on like if you are with the child or if a child is with an adult, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I think this is just something that we are often ignoring and we think about the individuals. Even mm-hmm. though we are hardly ever individuals, we are always part of a group or hope to be. Well, that's, those are such a wonderful points that teach us, you know, what real empathy is and, and what kind of uh, relations in the world and the broader perspective um, we should be looking for. And um, it just makes me think about how, like in parenting, children teach us things about ourselves, about the world. So applying child's perspective to the world makes us better adults. So, um, and what you're saying is applying child's perspective in design makes design better and makes it see new things and new relations and make it more humane and um, better um, interrelated. Yeah, these are, of course, like big topics in a sense and and I, I know that many businesses struggle to see like what does it mean in our context mm-hmm. um like there are companies how that are really good examples like like Tokapoka, but then there are also companies who would like to be mm-hmm. better but they might have like um limited resources or they they don't know where to start and that was like initially the our goal to be the first place to go if you mm-hmm. try to figure out like 
figure out how could we do this better? How could we include children in our thinking and, and in design? So could you tell more about how our principles and how the guide is helping those individuals to apply this change in their work? Mm, yeah, so so the guide has 10 principles and then, of course, like supporting resources and and um, what we are trying to help people like understand like, like the wide variety of of thinking and and like in like um, integrating child rights into design so the UN child rights that are that are like articles and ratified in in many countries mm-hmm. mm, those are not um, already sort of in the design methods or the, the child-centered thinking is not like um, the main um, design approach yet but what we try to do is is to help um, designers understand that children are not like one user group for example children can be divided to five different groups based on their developmental level mm-hmm. and that childhood changes in time so you cannot design for children or children in mind just by thinking how you were as a child or how your siblings were as a child but it's always in the context of the current era for example now children have smartphones which for example I didn't have when I was a kid so it's completely different kind of mm-hmm. kind of um, experience and um, and then then we have like a support resources like how to um, do research with children or how to include children and mm-hmm. and um, but then then we have the five sorry not five we have the three groups of ten principles and um, the groups are like um, designing for inclusion, designing for play and learning, and designing for safety and sustainability. And with these, we try to integrate the UN child rights into design process. Petra, do you want to? Yeah, I was thinking, that, so one thing is that, um, of course, I think for anyone who has not had thoughts about this at all i mean and probably most of at least have any thoughts about this but let's say you're a company and you feel this is just completely new then the guide can you serve as a starting point for inspiration or like talking about these subjects within the team as jona mentioned designers using the guide that's like mm-hmm. an obvious user just like myself being a designer jona being a designer but this mm-hmm. is something for um the whole a whole project team or a whole company to reflect on either understand your part in the bigger picture as a developer or even like working in the office with general stuff like how this some of these things impacts the output your company has or your direct input into the project you're working on so that's like a, a bit of waking up or just understanding understanding the different aspects like some people have never thought about diversity okay then it's a good thing to at least mention it another thing is is how we can look at a guide with being um that we have these sections in it and some some things are harder to start working with than others i'm not saying they're less necessary but um i don't know like so so what i mean is like some of the aspects are or principles are like less less low hanging fruit they're like okay this is a giant project if we're gonna work with this but then you can work on something that is slightly easier to grasp as a start. Mm 
-hmm. And then it's also about like some principles might not apply to your project. And that's also fine. It's not about like every project needs to think about all these 10 things. You can think about all 10 things. But if you're, let's say you are a playground and making a physical space. It's not like you need to think that much about GDPR rights or something. You should, of course, think about safety, which is the obvious thing people do, except the playfulness when they think about the playground design. But but it's bit, but it's of course different things when it comes to like if you're doing something that doesn't necessarily need marketing or have a impact on like you need to think about messaging when it comes to that you're selling a product, etc then you don't need to think about that principle and doesn't apply to you. And for some, that might be the most important thing. So it's it's like a Swedish Express and Smörgås board, like this buffet of things. And for some, some companies, they should definitely think about all 10 things. But as a starting point, just reading them and be, uh, creating awareness about it in the project team. I think that's a, that's a great starting point for any, any place. Is there any principle that you would like to point as a good place to start for everyone? Well, I think um, all of those could be a, like amazing starting point. But I think a couple of things that we, like three things that we often forget, like like Peter was saying that safety is like the, like a, what you easily think about when you think about children. Mm-hmm. But but then like um, the inclusion that do you include all different types of children and and like what is the what is the target group that you are creating your product or service for are you are you pl- being like really inclusive like um, are you creating a for example in digital products are you creating a product that can be used only with the newest and fastest devices mm-hmm. or can also people or children who have really old and slow connections use your product so like these kind of like different levels of inclusion of course but then then i think one thing that we are missing in this hectic culture that we are living in is the need for breaks so Mm -hmm. like like i was talking previously about the that we are thinking about the individual so for example social media products they are they are created for individual to use but of course they have a connection to others but then like what is do we design breaks in the product or, or do we leave that to the person to sort of manage and we know that children's brains are not ready to manage uh, the breaks so they need adults or they need the products to to remind them and help them to have the breaks and and also to play with others and play offline and and like um do things that that are also like uh, not always um somehow like energizing and inspiring but also slowing you down so that you learn to also to be quiet so i think that's kind of balancing area so principle number six is is the create balanced environment and then then in the end the designing for future i think that is that is our newest principle that we added in the latest upgrade Mm -hmm. and and i think that is something that every business and and city and and uh, country is currently like struggling with that what does it mean to think about the future because we are in such a short term like mindset we think about in in four quartals or we think about you know in half a year or we think about two year strategies but we do we think about in 50 years or or, or so 
I think I want to raise those three, but better is there something you want to also highlight? Yes, I was. I, I, just, I would rather we ended on your last one because I think it's so important. But I was thinking two things, like both on this commercial standpoint, I think that's just really, I mean, in the game space where I am in, it's a lot about like dark patterns and bad messaging that's unclear or like, just like the other day, like Fortnite got this big um, fine handed down because because of good reasons but uh, i love that game but it's still very problematic how they run their business but so, so that's like clarity clarity and marketing and stuff like that i think that's marketing and and in the commercial activities i think that's one thing that comes to mind but uh, as a starting point again this perspective that that came to me being coming to the first talcott so a cornerstone of tokaboka has always been how we need to previously when we did products you tested with kids really early the prototypes now we, like we have i have this millions and millions of kids all over the world to play the game i'm working on and i both need to listen to them when we're working on new things i listen, need to listen to them when they're when they're playing the, the game as it is now and really like take that in and respect that what do they want what are their needs what would they like so for us it's so obvious the like the first principle which is about listening to kids and taking that in but it's for some companies that might feel like this gargantuan task like Mm -hmm. how how do i even do that and i mean you can do it in so many ways but it's still very important if kids or young people will take part of whatever project you're making Mm -hmm. um and there's so much about this you can also lean into like listen to experts and stuff like that but um just thinking about that that perspective of taking in kids input both for something that's being made but also after it's being made i think that's um yeah essential to it, it is definitely essential to success if you mm-hmm. want to be in this space but then it's also about just doing things right when it comes to uh, things that spaces that kids are in. Wow. Um, thank you for saying all these <laughs> brilliant things. I just want to point that, as you said, there are some things that are obvious to you, to Yona and to um, people who work with children. And we just need to make them obvious to everyone. And then <laughs> another obvious thing is that products are basically taking part in the development of a child, even if it's not educational. And it's also something that is missed out. And to me, it is really strange, but it is what it is and it needs to be changed. Everyone needs to understand that if you're doing something for children, whatever this something is, you are taking a part in this person is this little person's development exactly and and i think like exactly what you said but then also like not only for children if you're making something that children may use like the yes correction uh, already almost <laughs> classical example of the internet main internet browsers are not designed for children but but children like are still using them mm-hmm. um and i think one one thing also about them um, children and, and designing for children and, and then what we as adults may hope for example the safety aspect mm-hmm. um, I think there have been good examples of um, when adults try to protect children and they are for example trying to 
um, bring on chat and bring rules that there wouldn't be bullying or then like that children wouldn't be discussing about wrong topics that adults are defining as wrong topics for children then there there can be also like children are really creative as humans as a whole are and um, they also learn how to break rules so it's not always like one like directed from from adults to children and, and we are somehow controlling what children do with our designs mm -hmm. but children have also their own goals and their own interest interest and then they they find ways to to pre be creative in in your service or product and mm -hmm. i think that is also something that we are often missing in in the design when we are designing that we that people may want to do things differently than than you thought that they would or should do mm -hmm. and for example i think it was it peter or somebody else in the early stages of d4c i was mentioning this dark play as a as a concept that that the children may have like they they are using play to go through also the un uncomfortable sort of dark topics Mm -hmm. And that that's also something that we adults have to be aware of, that we cannot make everything. Yeah, I mean, it's like dark play. It's so fun when I when I like heard play researchers talk about that, because it's like there is like historical evidence of like kids have been doing this forever. Like in Victorian England, they tortured their small dolls and people like anyone you ask who had the barbie doll probably tortured their barbie doll as well like it sounds horrible but it's just stuff kids do and it's not dangerous in any way but it's these things that like parents who might not have that mindset anymore it's like oh that sounds horrendous it's like no they're just exploring life and it's not about them <laughs> wanting to like do torture it's just like they test borders and they do weird things because they're kids uh, they're and explore life. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because we always, you know, as generations, we always are horrified by by how our children are behaving. <laughs> and I have a, I have actually a question regarding this. Do you think now is especially important to consider children as stakeholders or was it always the case? There are like many people are saying, ah, we turned out fine and we were neglected when we were kids. So why should we do it now? Do you have anything to say regarding this point? I, I think a perspective we had was that there was a, when we got the first Talcott, um, we are still even though like the internet has existed for a long time and stuff like that we're still this we're still in the very early stages of what digital experiences will be so it's i think like that was one of the reasons why we talked about it like uh, it's hard to imagine uh, like now um i mean yes youtube has soon existed for like 20 years but it's still like it's still like if you would ask someone like four years ago what TikTok was or like musically, then they wouldn't know because it didn't exist. And now it's the biggest global like social media for kids in that aspect. So so it's like there, there is so that is this rapid change in the services that comes up and happening. And then especially in the digital space, having a big mindset of um, how um, 
how we can design things uh, to become to become good and better. Then I happy to point back to Jonas uh, point about the tenth principle, which is about like taking thinking about the environment and thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. Like like we're in, <laughs> we're in the end game unless we change things. So every company needs to be responsible for that if it's if it's my company thinking about like server emissions or device use or whatever it is a company that produces clothes and think about their environmental impact it can be so many things but if you have the mindset of like if you think about kids then you need to think about the future and the next year and the hundred next years so so i think in terms of urgency that is that is the most important thing i think yeah um so exactly what Petra said, I, I think the um, world is changing fast, even though digital media has been there for a while already. But we can already see some of the impacts that that there is that some, for example, after COVID and, and children being forced to live um, without social contacts and uh, living mostly through virtual contacts. There are a group of children and, and young people who have hard time to have the face-to-face social interaction. And, and there is at least, uh, I think in, in Europe and, and in Finland, we can we can see that there have been like um, rates of um, depression and, and anxiety. And, and this is like a growing problem. And I don't, and nobody can blame on specific, like single product or service or topic or even digital itself. But I think we have to, as a society, we have to also really look like look ourselves to the mirror that what kind of world we are we are creating. Like what are the reasons in, in our culture that um, are making children feel not feel good in this mm. world? And saying like have we always been thinking about children? I think there have been always bubbles of in, in different cultures of people who have been thinking about children. But I think as and as a whole, I think children's rights have been better and better, like all the time. So currently we are living better, children are living a better life mm-hmm. than in a history, in a sense. But then in some other areas, for example, in this um, mental health, I don't know um, if, if, if the situation is better. And about the topic of um, people did not break in the previous <laughs> previous <laughs> childhood, like types of childhood either. I think humans in general are, are very adaptable. Mm-hmm. So we can survive very different kind of life mm-hmm. experiences. But I don't think that is a reason mm-hmm. for not to try to do better. <laughs> Mm. How can D4CR help companies adopt this future mindset and implement it starting from now? Well, D4CR tries to um, bring information and uh, bridge people, um, raise awareness and then give tools for companies so that we can, we can help people to make the change. But then in the end, it's, it's everyone's table to consider and prioritize, like how do they um, think about the future in their context, but but I think um, Peter had a good point about about them. Like um, every organization needs to have their own 
own own like thinking and own strategy on on the future yes our time is up i don't know how it happened <laughs> do you have anything else you'd like to add Yona, peter yeah as i started with like i i of course encourage people to check out the guide um and even if it's just a glance and for inspiration or if it's something you like integrate into your project and check weekly that's that's fine but i think i encourage anyone to just check that out and i encourage also anyone to either engage in the d4cr community or different local initiatives as i said like i, I think that has been the most rewarding thing for me personally and professionally to have uh, meet people who uh, who like to talk about these things and that has been just again personally very rewarding for me getting those connections and people to spar with and have, have encountered similar situations or similar questions so um, yeah if you care about these issues at all like check out the guide but then also meet up with people digitally or physically who who engage in it and it can be this d4cr or it can be other other places but it i can't stress enough how good that has been for me yeah yeah exactly join join our events join our slack um join the local chapters such what peter said and when you are checking the guide you don't have to take the guide as it is like there are companies who have been using the guide as a base for their own principles mm -hmm. for their context mm -hmm. so so don't we are we are not trying to say that we are ready yet we are we are on the way uh, and improving the guide all the time and we are inviting everybody to join the work because this this is something we cannot do alone nobody can do alone we we can do it better if we do it together thank you thank you guys thank you everyone for listening this was designing for children's best very first episode this podcast is created by the members of D4CR, Designing for Children's Rights Nonprofit Association. I'm Paulina Lulu. Our wonderful guests today were Jonah Totterman and Peter Carlson. If you are designing for children, please find great, completely free resources of the D4CR Design Guide at childrensdesignguide.org. And of course, follow this podcast. There is lots of great content coming and see you soon. Bye bye for now. Yay! Yay! <laughs> B4CR Designing for Children's Best.